0: We have one more Sunday of uh, the book of prayer, and uh, we're going to take a look at one, really one of the most uh, famous prayers in all of Scripture, and we're, uh, I just checked my zipper because I had to use the restroom, and uh, that was like my biggest fear in life, is that I'm going to be, and I just, yeah, it's happened before, and I, you, you didn't even notice, did you? I'm so stealthy about this. Um, <laughs> But I just had this huge, like, fear. Uh, Okay, so we're going to talk about one of the most, I digress, uh, one of the most famous uh, passages, one of the most famous prayers in all of Scripture. And actually, I did a message on this in February of 2020 as we were going through 29 days of prayer and fasting, uh, or 29 days of prayer because we had a leap year, and so we thought, let's push it to February, we went through 29 days. I preached on the 23rd Psalm. And so we're going to kind of go back with a new perspective on uh, on this passage of Scripture because none of us knew what we were getting into uh, when 2020 hit. In February, uh, we had vision. We had plans for the year. We knew that this was going to be the best year ever because it's 2020. Mm-hmm. And then it happened. And Uh, I think as we go through this, it's interesting, some of the things that we are going to see, some of the names of God that we're going to learn about today, uh, really were applicable throughout the year, and I'm not even sure that we realized it. Um, Before we jump into it, though, I I want us to just kind of focus on the characteristics of our prayers to know who God is. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, the very first thing that he says to them is, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. 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 Hallowed be your name. That it's a good practice that when we begin to pray, uh, as you are praying throughout your week, as you start your day in prayer, to start your prayer glorifying the name of our God and and sometimes there are multiple names. I don't know if you know this, but there are we're going to take a look at eight characteristics or eight names of God uh, that may be applicable at different times in your life, always applicable throughout our life, but certainly in seasons of our life there are times where we need God to be one, of, one particular name in our life, that uh, there's something powerful in the name. We just got done singing about the name of Jesus, that it's in the name of Jesus. Uh, Philippians 2 says that uh, it is the name above all names, that in the name of Jesus, every demon has to bow. That whatever darkness you're experiencing in this life, that in the name of Jesus, there's an authority that comes in the name. It's almost like uh, I used this illustration last February. I thought I'd use it again, but uh, because it's so applicable, that when I tell, or or when Kelly tells our daughter to go get the older kids for dinner, uh, and she comes back down and says, uh, they're not coming, they're not listening. And then I say, you go tell them that I said to come back down, and guess what? Immediately they show their faces, that there's something that when you, when you there's a power and authority, not in my name, but in the name of the Father, in the name of our God. And, and I want us to take a look at some of the names this morning in Psalm 23. At first glance, you won't recognize them. But as we go through them, I think they'll become pretty evident. The Lord is my shepherd. You could all probably have this recited. You've heard this in some capacity in your life. I am sure of it, at least portions of it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I love that line, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea. Though I walk, I'm using the New King James version, that's why there's a yea in there. A yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may not see all eight qualities, but they're there. And I want us to just kind of go through an outline that really you could use in just a 20-second prayer every single day of your life that would be applicable of naming the characteristics of God and bringing about uh, the names of God in your life. You may not remember the names, but you will remember the characteristics The first is that he says, the David says, the Lord is my shepherd, that he is our shepherd. God, you are our shepherd, you guide us, you lead us. And the Hebrew name for that is Jehovah Ra. Uh, You could also say it like this: that you are my pastor. Uh, I recognize that many of you uh, see me as your pastor, and I appreciate that, but at the end of the day, Jesus is our pastor. He is our shepherd. He is our leader. He is the one that is guiding us. I just get to teach you about him. He is our shepherd. He says in John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God that is not distant, but is present. If you think about a shepherd and their sheep, I think about this all the, all the time. Uh, because, you know, I like sheep and shepherds, and no, I don't think about it really all that much, but if you do, if you just stop for a moment and think about it, shepherds don't watch their sheep from the house. They actually have to watch the sheep from the field. They Spend the night with the sheep in the field, not because they enjoy sleeping out in the field with sheep, but because they want to protect the sheep, because they want to be present with the sheep, Make sure none of the sheep wander off, and we serve a God who is our shepherd, who is present in our every ever time of need, that He is there as our protector as well. The second thing that we see is David goes on it says the Lord is my shepherd. He says, I shall not want, in the Hebrew name for God there is Jehovah Jireh, that he supplies all that I need, that he is our provider. If you're like me, my tendency is to be my own provider. My tendency is to uh, to control and to figure things out on my own and to make sure that, uh, that I'm taken care of, that my family's taken care of. And and I don't leave a lot of room for, for God to mess that up. And I find myself really moving through this life according to my will and my ways. And I need to be reminded often that it is actually Him that is, our, that is my provider. And what I find most often is that when I try to do it on my own, it doesn't work. And I'm guessing that you probably have experienced that to some degree uh, yourself, that when you try to go about this life providing for yourself and, and doing white-knuckling this thing and pressing on and doing it uh, on your own, it just doesn't work. What happens instead is we make our job our focus, or our our accomplishments our focus. And and there's nothing wrong with hardworking people. We need uh, a world, a society with hardworking people in it. Nobody wants to be lazy. Nobody. Well, there's people who want to be lazy. Nobody wants other people to be lazy. But on the flip side of that, when we think that it is up to us and we lose sight of him as our provider, we miss out on the fact that he is the one who richly provides, not us. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 2, it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. That He is our peace. Jehovah Shalom, that He is peace. In February of 2020, as I preached this message, uh, I don't think we had any idea of the kind of, of time that we would have before us. That now all of a sudden we're. There's quarantines and we're at home all the time. Now, maybe for some of you that created a whole nother level of chaos in your home with kids and school and all that stuff. Uh, for me, I preached this message in February and in March broke my hip and now forced to lie down, not in green pastures, uh, but lie down. And I'm not saying God broke my hip. Uh, I am saying that there are times and seasons that we go through where the Lord allows us to, to just stop, stop going and stop doing. And I wonder if this last year has really been a time, almost like a, uh, a, a reset of our time, where, where we are reprioritizing what it is that is important to us, that we would have a time of peace not because of what's going on in the world but because of who he is that we can rest in him. I want to take just a little detour from David's psalm and yesterday as we gathered together for prayer uh, Monica Durezio shared a passage of scripture with the group that was here in fact uh, Pastor Jay said uh, that we are on the verge of revival and I was like how, like how do you know this and he, he said, well, because when I showed up early, there were two people waiting to come in for prayer, and he said, and that never, that's like a pastor's dream, so when that happens, it's re- revivals on the brink, and, uh, and so we, we gathered together yesterday. That was kind of a joke, but we gathered together, and Monica shared a, a scripture with the group that I just think is so timely for uh, the season that we're in. I know that you're probably aware of this because there's a lot that's been said about uh, the effect of 2020 on mental health and substance abuse that uh, in 2020, uh, one of the, I won't bore you with all the statistics, but prescription fills for depression and anxiety peaked in 2020. That symptoms of depression and anxiety have worsened during the pandemic and Uh, And then, of course, many of you know that uh, the suicide rate through 2020, although it was already increasing, just um, blew through the water because people are anxious, they are depressed, they don't know what to do, they don't know how to handle this season that we're in. And so, I want to share with you kind of an example of what God gives to the Israelites as instruction in how to deal with difficult times. Now, this isn't prescriptive because what I'm about to read to you is a prophetic word for them at that time. But I think it's something that we can learn from in scripture and comes from Jeremiah chapter 29. And many of us are familiar with. One of the most famous verses in that chapter, verse 11, that says, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper, right? It's, it's one of the most famous scriptures that we put up on our fridge and on our mirror and our home office is our tagline on our Twitter, not our Twitter account anymore, but in our whatever account, and, and it's, it's just so inspirational. But where, rarely do we go back and read the context of that verse, And if we go back to the previous verses in chapter 29, uh, what we find is this prophetic word given to the Israelites from God, and he says in verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So I want you to hear this this morning, that, that God actually carried his people into exile, into a time of exile. From, from their home into a godless society. And it goes on, this is what I want you to do in the midst of this new city that you live in. I want you to build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. I want you to marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too have sons and daughters. In other words, just be fruitful multiply increase in number there. Do not decrease. Do not, don't go on the defensive. Go on the offensive. Continue to increase. And he says in verse 7, and this is the one that's applicable, I think, to, to where we're at, is also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I think we find ourselves in a season, and I'm not talking politics. I mean, we can get into no, we can't get into that. We're not that we can't. We're not going to get into that. But but here's the thing. Regardless of of the political climate of what's going on in our world, we can take a a, a look at at the entirety at the globe and say there is some crazy things going on, whether it be a pandemic or whether it be politics or whether the economy, all that stuff. And the question is, is what are we going to do as Christ followers? What is going to be our response to this? I think that we're given such a great example here that we are to be a people who seek peace and prosperity of the city in which we have been carried into exile, into the season in which we have been carried into this place. We seek peace, we seek prosperity, and we pray to the Lord for it. Our response to our current circumstances, as we see of the Israelites, is to live life, to plant gardens, to be fruitful and multiply, to keep living, not to retreat, not to to sulk and be depressed and anxious and wring our hands, but to actually be a people of prayer and to pray that the Lord would bring peace and prosperity in our cities, in our state, in our nation, across the world. In John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The world gives this prescription for peace the world gives us this this false sense of what peace can be and the truth is is that only he is ultimately peace we have to stop looking for peace and tranquility and everything else and spend some time resting in the presence of jehovah shalom rest in his presence and allow his peace to wash over us David goes on to say, he restores my soul, that that he returns us to the point of origin, that we know that God has created us to do good works, that there is a plan and a purpose that he has created you for, and he restores us constantly and is constantly looking to restore us to that place. He restores you and me to the point of origin, that we have a God who wants to take everything that the enemy has stolen from you, every lie that has been spoken over you every every wound that has been caused that our God wants to restore you back to what his intention was goes on and says that you are or, or He restores my soul. The point of that is that He is our healer, that it is Jehovah Rapha is the name. And in that, I'm not just talking about physical healing. He does heal physically. We believe that. We believe that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. We believe that the miraculous can take place. We just saying about it. At least in in word we, we say it, and I think that we believe it. He does heal today. He is still the great physician, but I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking more about our soul, our spiritual healing that needs to take place that some of you have experienced Spiritual wounds. Some of you have experienced wounds of the soul that he wants to heal and restore. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. That it was by his wounds that we are healed. That once we were like sheep who wandered away, but now we have turned to your shepherd. Now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And can I say, he just doesn't want to take you back to the point of which things were just cracked in your life. I I have the opportunity to um, uh, be in counseling appointments specifically and typically with marriages where uh, it's to the point of brokenness. Complete brokenness. That's, it's about the time that, I get, that, that I'm invited into the conversation where it's broken. It's been cracked, but now it's broken. And, and now we have to figure out how are we going to fix this. And, and I oftentimes I, what I hear is people say, I just want to get back to the way things were. And I would just argue that we don't want that. We we don't want to be back to the cracked version of ourselves. Uh, maybe the best example or I have a couple examples, mainly because they're fresh in my mind. But my daughter, she had a a big glass bottle of soap and and she dropped it in her sink and it cracked her sink. But it it didn't crack it so bad that that you couldn't still use the sink. It was still functional. Uh, well, then she dropped her glass jar again. I we've already talked about her skills of holding a jar, but she drops it again, and now this time, because it was cracked, now it's broken. It just, there's a big hole in the sink, and now it's unusable, and it's, it's just a mess. And it would be like if we said, well, if we could just go back to the cracked sink, we'll be okay. See, there was something, it was already on the brink of breaking And oftentimes, we settle for a cracked version of our lives when our God wants to do something brand new in us. I'm in the middle of a bathroom remodel, and and I said that first service, and my wife uh, said, it's not a remodel, it's a destruction. We have not even got to the remodeling phase. We are just in the destruction phase. And she's right that we had a, a a leak in our shower, and it was leaking into our closet and into the bathroom underneath and ironically, the only thing standing in our bathroom right now is our shower. Everything else has been destroyed and tore out. she rocks it's it's a mess. Uh, this is why, this is why I'm a pastor, not a builder, but I'm figuring it out as I go. youtube's amazing um, so we're remodel- we we basically said, this is there's a leak in our shower, there's a problem. We got insurance money, we're gonna do we're we're gonna take this time now to remodel our bathroom. Now, oftentimes what I hear from people in their life is, you know what, we're gonna rip everything out. And there's something not working, with. we're gonna fix it, but we're gonna rip the whole bathroom out, we're gonna fix the leak. And then we're going to put everything back exactly the way that it was. That would be, that would be nuts because certainly there are things, styles change, and, and we didn't have a tub, and so now we're going to get a tub. And uh, if I can jackhammer through the slab, we're going to, we'll see. But, but we're doing something new. There's a remodeling that's taking place. We're not going back to the original. And what I would argue is that God wants to do something new in your life. He doesn't want you to go back to a cracked version of yourself. Don't settle for for the brokenness. Actually begin to ask God, will you do something new in my life? And the promise is that he will. He continually refines us into the way really that he always intended for us. Number five, he goes on and says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That he is my righteousness. I don't know if you know, but righteousness has a path. There's a right way to go. There's a wrong way to go. And he is our righteousness. That that it is his word that he gives us that directs our path of righteousness that he has made us right through the blood of Jesus, that all of our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and even future, have been forgiven. They've been paid for. And he not only does that for us, he helps us on our path of righteousness. He is Jehovah, and I'm going to mess this up, but I know there's people in the room that are going to correct me, Uh, Sid Canoe. Is that right? You don't know? Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I'll mess up the next one for sure, uh, because I think Sid Canoe sounds like a city in Alaska, Uh, but Jehovah Sid Canoe, he is our righteousness. 1 Peter 1, 14-15 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Number 6, Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. You are my constant companion. There's been a lot of talk about isolation and feeling alone, and I know this can at times feel like such a pastor response, but can I just remind you that in the midst of your loneliness, He is with you. He is present in your ever time of need. Scripture says that He is our constant companion. He is Jehovah Shema. I'm not going to mess that one up. It's the next one. Or the last one. Jehovah Shema, which is he will be by your side. That there's no place that you can go that he's not there. And that if you are dealing with isolation or aloneness, you can sleep tonight knowing that he is there present with you. The promise is from Hebrews chapter 13. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid because what can mere mortals do to me? What can the world and, and the culture do to me because I have my helper, my companion? Psalm 23 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that he is our defender, Jehovah Nisi, that he has already won the victory. We know how this story ends. we sang uh, the that I see a victory because we know that he is victorious in the end. And he has a banner that says, we already won. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And then finally, David ends with, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. This means that he gives you and I a supernatural ability. That you and I have more than we need. That we are anointed. That you have the anointing of God on your life. And it's so much that it is overflowing in your life. See, here's the the challenge. I think at times it's easy for us to lose sight of the fact that we have a power that is available to us. I know this, if this is new to you, this sounds a little interesting, but there is a power that is within us that has not yet been tapped. We lose sight of the fact that when Jesus left this earth and he says, I leave for you a helper, he leaves with us the Holy Spirit. One of the, I was just meeting with some guys this last week and I was reminded uh, we're we're putting together a the Ministry of the Holy Spirit class. It's going to be starting in in February. But we were each kind of sharing our own experience of uh, of some epiphanies that we had about the Holy Spirit. And and I'm almost embarrassed to even share this with you because it's so elementary. But but one of the most transformative things about the Holy Spirit in my life was when I realized that when I read the Gospels and I see Jesus in his ministry, Jesus is fully man, fully God, but fully man, going around and multiplying loaves and fish and, uh, and, and putting mud in, in, in people's eyes and healing them and, and a woman touching his cloak and, and her being healed of a blood disease and all of these miraculous things that take place. I used to, as I was growing up, and I've grown up in the church, but I used to believe there's no way that I could ever be a part of that because I'm not Jesus. And then I realized, you know, it really wasn't Jesus, the man, the human, that was healing those people. It was the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit through him that was healing them. He was a vessel to be used by the Father to heal people and to see the miraculous take place. And when Jesus ascends into heaven, he says to his disciples, I leave with you a helper. I leave with you the Holy Spirit. And and that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. That we have this amazing opportunity to pray for people and to believe for healing in people's lives, not because of us in our humanity, but because of the Holy Spirit in us. I think we get insecure at times, and I know I do. I get insecure, and I and I, I remind myself that in my humanity, nothing is going to change. And and it's actually true, but it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life that things can change. That when I pray for people, they can be healed. That when I pray for people, their souls are restored, not because of me, but because of the Holy Spirit through me. See, there is a power that I think is un, untapped in our lives. And I want to remind you this morning that you are anointed by God. We, we lose sight of the fact that our, our, our place at gathering together or even watching online to hear a message and to sing some worship songs is the end all, is the ceiling of our, our faith when in reality there's so much more that God wants to do in and through your life. That really this is just a, a moment of equipping. This is a time in which we get to to remind ourselves that we're not alone in this venture that God's put us on this journey that he's placed in us to go and to make disciples that that this is just one opportunity for us to be reminded of the fact that we take what we have been empowered and equipped with here we take it into the circle of life that we live in we we have this thing among our staff and you're going to hear more about this but one of the most difficult things as a pastor is, uh, you know, there, we all have these, these areas in our life. We have our home, we have our school, we have our work, we have our church. And in between those things, we have our favorite coffee shops, we have our hobbies, we have all of this stuff that we're a part of. As a pastor, often in that circle, uh, your, your home, your work, and your church are all the same. Uh, we go through seasons where it's not quite our home, but it feels like our home. Ask our kids. They'll tell you that this is like our second home. That, that they're, and so what happens is we lose sight as pastors. We lose sight of the fact that you don't live your life that way. Church is just one part of your circle. And that's how it should be, honestly. It shouldn't be that that this is all consuming and that you never take what it is that God's doing in your life, in your church life, into your work, into your school, into your play. That He has this anointing that He is poured out on you to, to do the work of the ministry, to go and make disciples. My job is to equip and remind you that it is your job to go into, and it's my job as well, but to go into all of these places that God has put us in, and your circle of life and your circle of life and your circle of life touch different people. And the beauty of that is as ambassadors of Jesus, we can make a difference in this world. But we can only do it with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We can only do it with His anointing. I'm going to invite the the worship team to come. And the the Hebrew name for anointing is, uh, or, or the name is, you are my sanctifier. Another word for sanctify is bless, that He is blessing us. And the Hebrew name is Jehovah mekadesh It's probably not right. That was the one I was going to butcher. Jehovah Makedesh. And it means that God has set you and me apart for something special. That He has called us to something. That we are blessed. That we are anointed. That our cup overflows. Not just so that it can spill out in the church portion of our life, but so that it could spill out in every aspect of our life. In the unique video, Sarah shared a scripture that I want to remind you of. It says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. I think it's easy for us to look back on our life and say that He has called us out of darkness into light, but never tell anybody about it. To just keep it to ourselves. We'll tell our church friends. We'll tell the church portion of our life about what He has done in us. But when it comes to the other areas of our life, that's difficult. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to share about the anointing that he's placed on our life. It's hard to, to step out in obedience as we talked about last week and, and look and anticipate and expect those divine moments where God has orchestrated an opportunity for you to pray for someone yesterday we heard a story, and, and I was I was thinking about having him come and share it. Jeff, I hope it's okay. I'm just going to share it. I shared it first service, but last week we talked about anticipating what God was going to do, being available to the Holy Spirit and and listening for those divine moments. And, uh, and I think it was Sunday night I got an email from Jeff, and then he shared with our prayer team, uh, with the group of, uh, that were praying yesterday. But he was having lunch with another couple. Him and his wife were having lunch with another couple. And and as, as the lunch was going on, it was just a regular Sunday afternoon lunch. But uh, the wife of the couple that was with them began to share some of the ailments that she's been struggling with over the years. And and Jeff just heard the Holy Spirit say, you, you, you need to pray for her. You need to pray for her. And, and to Jeff's words, like, I... Ah. I'm in a restaurant, we're eating Thai food, or was it Thai food? I don't know, something like that. We're eating. You know, I'm not going to, that's weird. And yet that still small voice just kept getting stronger and stronger, and eventually just reaches across the table and grabs her hand and starts praying for her. And then her husband puts his hand on Jeff's hand, and then Jeff's wife puts her hand on his hand, and began to just pray right there in the middle of a restaurant. See, I believe that the Holy Spirit's anointing is upon not just Jeff, although Jeff, you are a special person. I don't think it's just exclusive to Jeff. The promise is that his anointing is on each and every one of us, that if you've surrendered your life to Jesus you have the power and authority of the Holy Spirit in your life and we should be anticipating and expecting those moments sitting across the table with someone having a meal and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit say I want you to pray for them I have this word of encouragement that I want you to speak over them See, I think most of us believe that there's got to be something more than just church services. And the truth is, is that there is. There's something way better. This is good. It's great for us to gather. But his anointing, his divine moments, those opportunities for us to pray for a co-worker because they're going through a divorce or they're dealing with cancer or whatever the case, that you are anointed by God to live a glorious life. To just come to church is so boring. It's not what we were equipped to do. We're, we are... We are asked to gather, to be encouraged with one another, but we are asked to go and to live out the anointing that God has on our life into this world. I want us to receive from the worship team this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand and... They're going to sing a song that you'll be familiar with. It's become really popular. It's called the Blessing. And, and in this song, it just it, it, it it's not so much a congregational song as much as it is a receiving song. It's a reminder of the anointing that God has placed on your life. It's a reminder of the fact that He is your great companion. He is present. That He is your peace. It it reminds us of that, that He is our peace and that His plan and purpose is to continue to bless you, that He is for you, not against you, and that He goes with you, that you don't have to be terrified of praying for somebody at lunch today because He is going before you. In the morning, in the evening, he is going before you, he is for you. I want you to, uh, if you're open to it, will you just receive from the worship team this morning? And and anytime we receive, we, we put our hands out, right, right? Like if somebody offers you a gift, you don't put your hands behind your back and, and like, hey, you know, just drop it there, I'll kick it home. No, we put our hands out and we receive the gift that he wants to give us and so will you... If, if, if you're willing and you want this, would you put your hands out and receive from him today?
1: shine upon you. Be gracious to you, the Lord Oh.
2: Inside you, all around you, and within you, He is with you, He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, and your going, in your weeping, rejoicing, He is for you.